Feedback is coming in. Fast Lane, Ed Lane, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Trailov ET as well to connect with us on the social media platforms. We'll get to that around 545 today in the Fast Lane. We've been overdue. We've got a lot of compelling topics, including stuff on the Liberty Flames, the Virginia Cavaliers, and more. But coaches said some interesting stuff. We have criticized Tony Elliott at Virginia a number of different times, but there are some things that are at least worth praising because they make quite a bit of sense. So we'll dissect that now in what he said and what he meant. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things, and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field. But for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing, and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. Right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. So Tony Elliott and offensive coordinator Des Kitchens, as well as defensive coordinator John Rosinski, speaking after every Virginia game. Interesting policy. I'm fine with that. Um, But Des Kitchens, much more coy when he was asked about what the decision was when Tony Musket went down with an injury to his non-throwing shoulder in the game against William & Mary, and the decision to not insert Anthony Calandria into the lineup as Calandria had already played four games. Redshirt Calandria at this point? You know, we're trying to protect in the best situations, right? We know he's still one play away, right? Obviously saw it out there today with Tony, and he, he's in a good spot to go play. But with the, the way that it unfolded, right, we thought we had – a timeout type deal where he could go back in, but he couldn't, but he was ready to go. So we didn't want to put Calandra in there in that situation. So that's what we're looking for for that one play. Is Brosterhouse a, um, a functional backup at this point, or if it was an extended period, would you have to go back to Calandra? We got to do what's best for the team. And probably... We got to do what's best for the team. So Des Kitchings taking what you would expect from an assistant coach who doesn't want to get on his head coach's bad side. But what he basically said in the dialogue with Mike Barber of Richmond.com after Virginia's victory was, we got to do what's best for the team. Which is another way of saying, if we can preserve Anthony Calandria's redshirt, because Calandria has played four games so far this year. Remember, he came in relief uh, of the injured musket against Tennessee, and then he played against JMU, as well as the other losses to Virginia, Maryland, and Boston College this year. Um, So he's played four games so far this year. Anthony Calandria has for Virginia. William and Mary would have been his fifth game, can't redshirt anymore. I 100% get the theory behind it. And I frankly understand for as much flack as Des Kitchens has gotten, and when you've only won three games in a year and a half, and two of them have been to 1AA schools, William and Mary this year and Richmond to open last year, and the other has been to a floundering, the third Virginia school you've played, Old Dominion Monarchs team last year, you win by one on that late field goal uh, at the gun. The, the the reality for Virginia is you, you can poke fun at a lot. But this does make sense. And it makes sense why Des Kitchens did not offer the same response that Tony Elliott was asked about and gave as to why Anthony Calandria did not spell and come on in relief for Tony Musket during the game against William & Mary. In the situation where uh, that third down, I mean the fourth down, he reached for it. 
uh, felt something in the shoulder, came out for a play, and uh, obviously we're trying to figure out uh, the severity of it, right? Because we got a, you know, we got a young quarterback there that's kind of played his four games, and, and what you don't want to do is you don't want to, you know, burn a year from one play. Right, so you don't want to put a guy in for one play. Now, if they're telling us from the tent that it's going to be an extensive uh, amount of time, then Calandria was good. Hey, we're 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 going with it. So, uh, it was it was it was managed. I thought the right way. Uh, they told us in time it was one play. That's why you saw Grady in there, and then Musket was back out there. That's Tony Elliott's explanation, and I actually think it makes a lot of sense for Virginia. Again, there are a lot of ways to criticize it. For one. Outside of the turnovers, remember, William & Mary scored 13 points, but the touchdown was set up on a short field because, ironically enough, Tony Musket uh, coughed up the ball around midfield, and William & Mary returned it back to have first and goal, and they ended up punching it in to take that 13-3 lead against Virginia. If you take all that out, and again, I understand it's like a how is the play Mrs. Lincoln type concept, Virginia actually controlled the game. They doubled up William & Mary in yardage, 453-219. to 219. 221 yards rushing on the ground. Almost five an attempt for Virginia. It's not flashy, but it's clearly enough to say that at some point they realized, even this coaching staff was smart enough to realize, that just run the ball because we have a size advantage on William & Mary. And for all Virginia's flaws, easy to point out for a 1-5 team, the, the schematic part to the, the game doesn't actually appear to be something that has eluded the offense. Because Brennan Armstrong has regressed since 2021, the one year he was good. Wasn't good last year. Got benched this year as well at NC State. And schematically, Virginia's moved the ball well. Now, they make ill-timed mistakes, and they can't capitalize offensively when it matters, and they now can't get off the field defensively. So, again, they have a litany of issues. But this one actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, I don't think there's even anything to dispute about this. If you've got a quarterback that is – you're trying to preserve his red shirt. Look, Calandria could leave Virginia after this year. Whether it's because there's a coaching staff change, whether it's because he doesn't sense that this program is going in the right direction with the coaching staff, whether it's because Tony Musket earns the job at some point during the spring or more likely the summer when this type of move would be announced. Um, Any of those are legitimate factors. Heck, throw in the other one that some program that needs a quarterback out of the SEC or the Big Ten and they've got big coffers for NIL money that Virginia at least doesn't seem like they've put up for their fans, as well endowed as that university is financially. doesn't seem like the fans have that kind of NIL money that they're willing to put forth towards athletics the way that other programs are willing to do with that money they have. That some program that wants a guy like Calandria Moore could say, hey, we'll surround you with a better offensive line. We'll surround you with equal wide receivers because Virginia's had great pass catchers, and we'll give you more money. I mean, that stuff does happen, and it's the reality. But if you don't at least give them the chance to redshirt and do what's in the athlete's best interest, you are expediting that process of getting to a guy like Calandria leaving Virginia. Whereas, if nothing else, I mean, again, this staff did bring him in, sold him on a vision, and they've got a data point or multiple data points to which they can point and say, hey, we've improved. That's why it makes sense. Now, if Musket suffers an injury and he's out for the remainder of the year and it happens coming out of the bye week next Saturday in Chapel Hill or one of the remaining games, particularly the the earlier it is toward the finish line, then, yeah, at that point, you say, look, Calandria wanted to redshirt you, but you're literally the only option outside of a, a walk-on guy. But for a play here or there, particularly in a game like William & Mary, again, for as many things as you can point to this coaching staff and say, what in the world is going on? This is not one of them. This makes a lot of sense. It's a smart move. And frankly, it's the only move for a team like Virginia. Yeah, you you should redshirt redshirt him, and you know, uh, you know, 
Kalindra is probably uh, a little more entertaining, uh, I would say, in terms of uh, his YOLO ball. He likes to play. but uh, For you as a casual fan. Yeah. Uh, but this makes sense. I think you have to stick... Like, your original plan coming in this season was, you know, redshirt him. And unless you were, like, 3-2 and two or whatever... Like, if Virginia was... Three and two instead of one and five. I think this is a different argument. Like, let's say they lose, they went zero and two with Calandra uh, came what JMU game. So, yes. So let's say they. Well, Calandra started JMU. He came on in relief in Tennessee when Musket got injured. Okay. Let's. Okay. Let's say so he played all four games. Let's say JMU. Maryland, yeah, he's played ABC. every game up to the William Mary game, right? Correct. Okay, so let's say instead they beat it, they the the rain delay doesn't happen. They beat JMU, they beat NC State, and they beat Boston College, and they're three and two, or four and two, four and one, four and two. I can do math. I think you would. St- I would. I think. And, and hold on, let me let me correct myself. He played up till the BC game. He played the NC State game, not the BC game. Okay. When Musket came back. All right. So before they are, he played the first four games. They're of the year two and two. <laughs> Going into the BC game, I think I think you play him. I think you start him the rest of the year because, especially being, you would you would have started him. But you're one in five. You're not going to make a bowl game. Like there, you need to build towards next season. When you're two and two, and there is a real shot of, and you show offensive validity or offensive momentum, then I would say, yeah, you you might want to lean towards uh, starting him, but. That's your one. I'm basically saying if the season was different and they had, I don't want to say hope, but they had a positive momentum to making a bowl game, I think the argument comes in to start him because he's clearly your better option at quarterback for the long term. So you might as well get him the reps in as soon as possible. But now that you're not going to, you need to work towards next season and your best chance next season is to have him redshirt and maintain as much el- 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 the big word eligibility that word as possible. So, I think it's the right call given that they're one in five. Now, if they were five hundred or you know around there on the positive side of it, I think it's a different argument. Speaking of what he said and what he meant, that was a good discussion on Virginia. You've got some feedback that's come in. Fast if I can put my like, thoughts together, it's a great discussion. Yes. We'll get to the Hokies tomorrow because there's some what he said and what he meant that came from the Florida State game but does carry over to the vibe you want against Wake Forest. That's something we'll discuss tomorrow in the Fast Lane. But your feedback has come in. So when we return, we will get to that. On the Who's, on the Liberty Flames win last night, plus topics including Notre Dame losing to Louisville, Malcolm Brogdon, the Virginia product who was on the move in the trade from Boston to Portland. Thoughts have come in on all that and more so we will get to it next here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.